everybody, welcome back to the Wicked Side. This is Brenna speaking. Hey, this is Tom. Yep. And we're back from the <laughs> cursed episode. The new cursed episode. The, the curse continues. Cursed the curse part two. Yeah. So, if you're just joining us, you'll want to go back and you'll want to wa- uh, listen, watch, listen to the first half. We actually took a pause because things got really heavy and I started getting emotional and we came back, we hit the resume button, everything was fine until like the last like five minutes. I thought the mic had just gone out. Turns out, nope, the mic had not just gone out. It was... <laughs> it was a full failure to launch. Yeah. It was a full failure to record. Yep. So we lost a, what would have been an absolutely phenomenal episode. Um, uh, There's just a lot of real in it. There was just just a, a lot, lot of real. real. And, and that, that break for me was so that people didn't hear the snot dripping over the microphone. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it got... Uh, can't imagine that would make for good ASMR. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure there's someone out there, but I'm sure it's not God, most of you. You know there is. You I don't. Know there Rule is. 34. It's on the internet, yeah, right? Let's go. Cool. <laughs> oh, Lord. But, yep, we're back, and uh, we're going to talk more about uh, the same subject as before. We covered Eaton Pats. We never got to Adam Walsh's case, at least not with what we have saved. So. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> uh, unfortunately, all that was covered, and the only person who got to hear it was my 11-year-old. Yeah. He was very proud that he got, like, an exclusive-only performance. <laughs> He's like, you mean I'm the only one who heard that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, that feels good. Yeah, at least somebody we just, did. We poured our hearts out and emotionally battered ourselves. <laughs> it was, I mean, yeah, it was unwitnessed masochism. It really was. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't even get anything out of it. <laughs> Oh, catharsis, maybe. I, I mean, I, I felt better afterwards. Yeah. I, I felt great. <laughs> Not about losing what I, I lost, but... I slept like a baby. <laughs> you know I did too, though? Yeah. yeah. I'm telling you. Something about therapy. <laughs> hey, sometimes you just gotta get emotional, bro. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. This is my therapy, and anybody who listens is now my therapist. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all. <laughs> a very silent therapist. <laughs> Don't judge me. <laughs> Never feels like a judgy silence, so that's good. <laughs> Fair. If you can cage something like that. Uh, but so far, friendly community, so. So where were we? We um, we were talking about the milk carton kids. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and um, where we left off with that was, I got emotional talking about, you know, how the farmers, the dairy farmers did all of that themselves and yeah they took it upon themselves and yeah. in a non-profit scenario to just be like hey even if this doesn't if, if this is all we can do like at least we're trying we're doing something yeah yep and again um if you're just joining us go back and watch part one but to recap yeah we talked over the case of eaton pats his disappearance on the way to his bus stop about two blocks from his house and the case that ensued and now we're getting into more of how it affected change and um particularly uh, law and society and how it affected parenting oh yeah definitely like even since recording this like the first time going back and, and talking over people like i talked to a couple clients about it because we were talking about things we had done that you're they're people that i know you know and i was telling them what happened with our recording and everything and then they're like, well, what's that case? And I told them about the case. And they're like, no, I remember that. 
Like, I, if some of them were older, so they're like, yeah, I remember that. Some of them were younger, and they're like, I remember my parents talking about right. it. Right, yeah, yeah. And, it, and that's the thing. Like, for us, it was our parents talking about it. Yeah. Well, definitely. And I mean, especially mom. Like, mom was always big about that. Yeah. In stores and, and stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. if we were together, it was one thing, but by ourselves was another. Exactly. Once we got to an age she believed we could run fast enough, she was all right. Yeah. But <laughs> even then, you yeah. know, we had to roam the neighborhood in packs in order to be safe. So, hard enough yeah. for her to feel we were safe anyway. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't blame her at all. Like, no, you especially you research cases like this or you learn about it, and it it, it definitely becomes a thought in your mind of like with a what if. Yeah. You well, know? Liam, for example, as that was his question is like, hey guys, am I old enough to ride my bike around the block without mm-hmm. you guys there? Can I just take my bike out for a ride? Mm-hmm. And it's like, man, as a parent, being like, yes. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it should be okay, but in like, theory, yeah, I mean, <laughs> but there's a point oh 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 one percent chance, and it, you know. I know, but it, it's so such an awful thing that yeah, you don't even want to take it. But yeah, you and you have to. And what do you do? Smother the kid? Exactly. Like, and this is the whole conundrum of parenting. Yeah. Like, how much do you protect before it's crippling, and yeah. how much? Do you let them roam before it's neglect? Yeah, you know, right? it's like I gotta find a sweet spot. Exactly. So, but, it's... but we figured with with phones and stuff the way they are nowadays, like I could, if I really feel uncomfortable with it, mm. I can just have a phone call with you, and you can put your phone in your backpack. Yeah. <laughs> and well, just, yeah, they have apps yeah. now, like oh yeah, full tracking. tracking and, yeah, oh yeah, for you, so you know where your friends and family are at all time. And I'm like, never. Like I don't know. I can't say never because. With the kids, you know, maybe, but I don't know. Uh, yikes. I know. I, I, but, like I said, at the end of the day, like, our mom trusted us to roam around the neighborhood, you know, yeah. with friends and stuff. And I mean, even at, you know, at a certain age, we were just running around on our own bikes. Like, I rode a ton around our neighborhood all the way out to... That being said, though, our parents were also very, like, conscious of, like, preparedness and yeah we had had all the talks like Mm -hmm. you know don't they never have candy or puppies in the van yeah you know this is your swimsuit area hands off like ways to like fight back i know yeah and i mean it sounds terrible but we had like we had a password we had the whole password like oh i'm supposed to go with you well what's your what's the words you know okay cool you don't know them then i'm not going shit (laughs) and if they had like a talk show tv in the evening they'd have like you know, have your child watch this episode, you know, because, you know, they could start right, your life yeah. one day. Like, yeah. with the carpet, like, thing in the in the trunk and, like, punching out the taillight and... Right. Screaming, fighting. If you ha- if you got to leave articles of clothing, leave an article of clothing, you know, just right. do whatever. Yeah, but I remember being made to sat down and watch those, too. Yeah, so do I. And, and to think like that, I know that wasn't a thing for them. Right. You know? No, they got reefer madness. <laughs> Uh, and the dangers of the marijuana. Yeah. I know. I know. But at the same time, it's not unfounded. So it's the... I mean, look, dude, I would rather I, I would rather it, rear but... my kids to the danger of, like, kidnapping weirdos and shit like that than the dangers of pot, I guess. Like, we can let them know about one. One's not going to jump out of the bushes and grab you. One is just going to be the bushes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess. 
I, that's the whole thing, though. Like, how far, like you said, how far is it before you smother them to when, yeah. when are you a neglectful asshole? Exactly. Find that balance. And different kids require different levels, too, I feel like. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a case-by-case basis, right? Yeah. I would be way more... Mom was more apt to let you go out alone than me because I was more apt to get my ass into trouble and you were more likely to just go you be by yourself. You were more apt to talk to people, too. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> You're like, you look friendly. Hi. Yeah, that happened. <laughs> and I was more like, I don't know you. I don't want to know you. Get the fuck out of my face. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But I knew that they never had candy and there wasn't no fucking puppy. Yeah. And if you were too old, I didn't talk to you. Yeah. Uh, I think that's why mom asked <coughs> me, though, because she knew I was already a suspicious child. True story. <laughs> but you were less, I mean, you were more likely to analyze. Or I was more likely to jump in. Yeah, much more. Much more. But yeah, that's the fun with kids. Is, you know, uh, somebody said this once, and while I, I don't agree, I do agree at the same time. Somebody said they, they could have, like, 100 kids just to see how all their personalities turned out and yep. how different everybody was. And I'm like, well, I agree it would be interesting. I would never do it. Like, I don't want 100 is kids. It, I don't even it, want to even, like, Isn't it go. easier just to play an RPG and hit, like, right? random exactly. roll or something? <laughs> uh. But, like, yeah, like, 100 kids raised by the same parent, how would that look, you know? I have a few guesses that I all of them seem dysfunctional. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, not one of them is good, but like, I mean, still. what does the age get? I mean, look, it, dude, if you had, if, I mean, without having a few twins or anything like that, like, yeah. how long would it take you to produce a hundred humans oh, in nine uh, months of pop minimum? Like, well, if you're not Genghis Khan, I mean, that's why I said from a male perspective, yeah, it's, it's, it's like, a little it's easier much more for, for for one woman. That's Oof, that is an express lane. (laughs) Yeah. uh, I can't imagine. Better hope you have a lot of twins. Dude, I have one. I I mean, for a dude who only had one kid and was like, I'm done. Like, having having many children seems seems outrageous. Yeah. But having a hundred children is like, I I know. uh, You're making them to your dying day. Like, well, there's six of us now with our stepbrothers, but yeah. we weren't raised with them, so we're not really close. Yeah. But then the four of us, yeah, I feel like it's, um, there's wildly different personalities between the four of us. Uh-huh. But there's definite similarities. Oh, yeah. I think anybody, like, if when whenever the four of us are together, they're all like, oh, they're siblings. Like, yeah. they can, they just know instantly. Yeah. Because they're back and forth. But there's similarities between, I mean, for the household and time you grew up in. Because me and you grew up in a different household and time than our younger set. And then the youngest set grew up in, you know, the most modern age with, seriously, like, it's cave, like, when you're a first-time parent, it's like cave parenting. Mm -hmm. Like, I understand, like, I'm going to have one and I'm sure he's just going to experience all the fuck-ups and none of the, like, oh, I learned this from my last one. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But, at some point, you gotta, it's gotta become some sort of routine, like, what are they, you know, you get all those pictures of your firstborn and then Mm -hmm. your secondborn, you have, like, no pictures, fuck a diaper bag, I can carry three things and do this job, be done. Yeah. Like, (sighs) Okay, that's another thing. 
that I, I don't miss. I don't miss carrying all the shit. <laughs> you know? Yeah, now he gets to carry his own. Exactly. <sighs> I, I don't have to carry a diaper bag, a backpack, a, any of that nonsense. And now, like, I don't even know why I bought into the bullshit of diaper bags. Because backpacks are so much more convenient. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I'm so mad at myself that I was ever convinced I needed a diaper bag. Dude, I, I mean, ask Amanda. I always used a, a backpack when I went out and did mine. Yeah. There And there are some cool ones nowadays. I'm, yeah. I'm sort of jealous of all the people who get to have kids now because there's, like, some really cool, like, dad camo ones. It's like a backpack that's got the, like, lay-down tray built into the thing. Oh, it's so mm-hmm. fucking awesome. Yeah. Man, even just for the geek stuff that's now out. Like what? Like we just missed it for our children. Like just missed I, we it. got some, but not yeah. It not was like the, the trickle, yeah, the, the beginning yeah. trickle when they of, found out it was popular. Yeah, but nothing like the cool stuff they have now for like that you can get for babies and kids. They're all like geek themed, and it's like, man, I just had to choose from pink or blue. I know. I need a. I need my. <laughs> so I got pink or blue bullshit. I need my siblings to start popping out younger ones so we can. Oh god, I can't. We can wait. start buying them little nerdy shit. No. Uh, Come on, because when you're the parent, you're you're you know money yeah. is being diverted to other means, so you're not as likely to to go extravagant on the little cosplay outfit for your kid that's gonna fit for yeah. three months, and then go in a closet and to where you wish they could still fit in it. Yeah. But but as as fun Uncle Tom will do, I will buy him that three month outfit, and I better see pictures. <laughs> yeah. See now. Have a seriously creative child, though, and you get way more use out of that costume. Fair. Oh, yeah, fair enough. The boys wore their costume. Like, we were big on, on getting him, like, the onesie pullover costume. Yeah. And, like, he had all the G.I. Joe ones. He had, like, a Halo one. He had some superhero ones. He had muscly ones. He had ninja ones. Whatever. Mm-hmm. But, like, those kids wore those things till they were splitting and they were, you know, yeah. flooding up to their calf. Like... They well, wore those costumes out. Sorsha, at one point, I made hers. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I took some black, a black t-shirt and black sweatpants, and I painted a skeleton on them. And then I made her a tulle, like, skirt, which is ridiculously easy to do. And um, then we painted her face and everything like that, and she wanted a crown. She was a skeleton princess. That's what she wanted to be. That's what mommy made her. So... But she wore it to school afterwards, like, just, you know, minus the paint. Yep. She would, because it was a sweatsuit, and then, you know, a skirt. Yeah. So, she got a lot of mileage out of it. Hey, man. And And, if it makes her happy, fuck it. Let them, you only get to be a kid once. You want to wear that, you want to wear the tool skirt to school? Fucking go for it, kiddo. Like, well, the best part was the more she wore it, the more damaged and dingy it got, the more it looked appropriate for the costume. Yeah, it probably looked punk as fuck by the end. Yeah, like, it did. <laughs> looked like she was at a Dead Kennedys concert mm-hmm. or something. Oh, man. I love that part of parenting. That is so much fun. Halloween is, like, right around the corner, and I, and I love it. I get so excited every damn year. Yeah. And this year, to decorate for Halloween, we chose um, a zombie theme. So I found, like, the decorative crime scene tape, and so my house is now fucking covered in it. And I've been making, like, and painting out, like, zombie arms that, like, look like they're reaching from around the various Dude, parts of the window. you got and... that gene. You must have gotten all <laughs> of that gene. Because I got 
None, none of, of it. it. I know. I, I, but I'm the only sibling that's like that. I, I, I don't like. I, I don't think Josh even registers that it is. There's a holiday. No, no. And no, Emma okay. doesn't care. And no, Emma's on her hustle doing her thing. And yeah. Josh is basically the same thing. Single guy working a job. Yeah. Like his time passes differently than ours. But like as the moment you get kids and yeah. you start homey, homey, homey stuff, like mm-hmm. like that's the only reason that I've carved the pumpkins every year with with Liam and stuff like that is because I love that experience as a kid. And as much as I don't, I won't do it just for me. If he's around, yeah, we're gonna carve us some oh, pumpkins. See, no, I'd still do it anyway. I know you would. And that's <laughs> what I'm saying. Like I have to yeah. have a motivator. You are just motivated. <laughs> I want to see what cool things I can make. So <laughs> I am I am just not an arts and crafty person. I like fiddling with some things, and mm-hmm. I enjoy the idea of doing it. But then it it, it all goes wrong in the execution usually. So yeah. I, I have to pick my projects and really you know base them on the reality of my um, uh what what my what I can actually do. God, I don't know why I can do the you word. You learn things to master them. Yeah. I learn things to experience them. Okay, fair, yeah. So I think for you it's about like the destination, having that, that yep. thing that I can say, I've mastered this. Yep. For me, it's the process of learning it yeah. that's exciting. Yeah, I'm very And that's where I get my yeah. reward. You get your reward in the mastery, I get my reward in the trip. Yep, fair enough. I, I often find the trip tedious. I just want to get to that, that I point. I was <laughs> like, oh, I love this more, please. No. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean... I think that's a fair... Two sides of the same coin, dear. Yeah, and that's the thing we've said for a long time, is that we're a lot alike, but just... Yeah, yeah. in a reflection sort of way. Exactly. So, not not at all... You would think opposites with how we just spoke, but it's not. No? In a weird... Yeah, like you said, in a weird way. So... Well, out of all my siblings... I don't know. Emma puts up a good fight, but like... All, out of all the similarities that I share with a sibling, yeah. it's one of you two. No. But yeah. Like, <laughs> it's it's a fight. And, and the only reason I can't say her is because, like, we haven't spent as much time together as adults. Yeah. Which is a different story. And now that she's, like, past legal drinking age and everything, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, right when I hit legal right before, let's be honest, me and you were drinking together. Yeah. And I was a good big sister, damn it. I know, you were fantastic. <laughs> and I appreciate it. <laughs> but I like, I got all that, like, quote unquote, wild drinking out or whatever, mm-hmm. like, at your house. I'd never left anywhere. And if I did, I wandered around the yard to pee or something. Yeah. But, like, it was done responsibly. It was fun. It was, it was yeah. a great time. And then it just dried up. Like, we just stopped. Uh, well, we grew up. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, we just evolved yeah. past that point in our life. We both started getting families and jobs and focusing hey, that's on your stuff. Fault. And... It's your fault. <laughs> yeah, because... She's, she's your friend. Yeah, she is. She is. She's my friend <laughs> way before. Met her at your house. <laughs> yep. Been with her literally since the day I met her. Uh, 15 years ago. <laughs> Yeah. Your fault. You you started all this. Oh, this yeah. is all a product of you. Thank you. <laughs> You're responsible for everything that happens henceforth. Uh, this has got so many disturbing implications. Hey. <laughs> I don't want to. Bathe in those consequences. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, 
All right. Now, <clears throat> can we dive into the depravity that is mm-hmm. the end of, or the result? Yeah, because we're like 20 minutes. <laughs> it's, no, I get it, and I get it. And honestly, after the way it prickled us last week, the, uh, the need to bolster our emotional state before we walk into this thorn yeah. patch of information. Because yeah. to me, there's nothing sadder than the, the lost... What we are just talking about, these experiences that we've had as parents and, and as, as yeah. like, be, just between me and you, growing, yeah. if one of us would have been lost in a tragedy like that, how different would your life have been? Yeah. It's, it's like, and let's be fair, I would have, there would have been candy in my path somewhere, like, it would have been me, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, like, it would have been so, like, all of this, gone, yeah. like, erased, like, Thanos snap, like, none of this. I know. It, it's craziness, and that it's to me, it's the potential that's lost when 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 a child like yes. that is taken. It's so horrid. It is. Ugh, here so we go. <clears throat> yep. Hold your nose. So as I said, um, you know the the milk card and kids and everything like that. How that was for a long time part of the culture. Um, it became, and I think John Mulaney actually said this like rights for kids just like suddenly went up suddenly people cared about kids you know what was going on with them and well things like that take jumps i mean yeah one minute you're working in the factories as an eight-year-old and the next minute you're exactly it really wasn't it wasn't until the victorian era that the the concept of a childhood was even a thing like literally before that that it wasn't really a thought yeah you're a human get out here yeah you were just a dumb adult yeah get out here and do human things yeah so the concept of the childhood only only evolved around Victorian era when there started to be a disposable income amongst families and they could finally like afford to not have their children, you know? Right. Yeah. They could be, they could be educated. They could, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So you got to definitely look at the historical context of that because that wasn't that long ago. I know we like to think it is, but it really wasn't in the span of well, human no, history. I mean... But that's the thing. Our parents talk about running around, I mean, yeah. where they were all alone doing their thing. And mm-hmm. to be fair, that was the golden age of the happenings of, yeah. of that stuff. And for a while, we were latchkey kids. So Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, I walked yeah. home from school every day in elementary school. Yeah. Yep. Like, from kindergarten up, like, with you, without you, if you weren't there or whatever, I still walked my ass home. Mm-hmm. Got chased by dogs. Like, yep. had all kinds of fun stuff. Yep. So that was the other point, though, that I wanted to talk about. And that's just like it, it really changed the way that America parents their children. And it really created, um, I, I want to say, like the start of the helicopter parenting kind of thing. It, that can, I, can I use this word accurately? Did it, it, it seeped into the zeitgeist of American parenting? Yeah. Hey, look at me. <laughs> yeah, no, and I think it's that's accurate. There became a big shift in how a child safety was viewed and the approach to like punishment. Cause I, I remember even talking to like older people about like, they'd be like, well, if my child's not home by a certain time, we just lock the doors, you know, uh, kind of thing. But then for me, I'm like, <coughs> Whoa, I can think of like four cases off the top of my head where a parent did that. And the next day they found their kid dead. Yeah. So I'm like, you guys don't know true crime. Like, yeah. fair enough. You, so that's not the, right enough. <laughs> exactly. Like I get the the discipline, but like at the same time, like alive. <laughs> you can't. Oh. You can't yell at them if they're dead. Exactly. No, I'd rather have you home, where I can feed you mm-hmm. and make sure you're warm, and you're within distance to hit. Like 
Yeah. But it, 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 and I only say this as like, I guess from a, a, having a teenager perspective or something like, mm-hmm. my dad was a big proponent of sometimes you just need one up to the back of your head to really just straighten out the way yeah. that your crooked thoughts are going. Because that sudden jolt really does snap things into place <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but hey, you know. It's the proper application. Um, you know, there was an age at which he stopped applying, you know, spanking yeah. and things like that and, and moved and on. It's even, it's not about pain either. No, It no, was no. never painful. It was. No. It, it was, was like he, it, alerting, yeah, maybe. Yeah, was, they, right. Like, Physical hey. alerting. <laughs> Physically alerting. <laughs> it just, you know, like. Get you, to, get you to engage more than just your ears. Exactly. <laughs> and you need that when you're a kid. Sometimes you it know. turns the gears when they get stuck. Yep. Yep. <laughs> like, I, I, you know, however you want to raise your children, I, I completely and wholly support and understand because it is your job and right to suss out what is best for you and yours. And yep. I tell you what, like, I don't, I don't have to hit my kid at all. I fucking love it. Like, oh, man. Just being able to take things from them. To like, oh, man, you have so much today. Like, oh, man, yeah. what were they going to do? Take away my action figures back in the day? You better come with a collection bucket because there's a shit ton of them. Oh, you yeah. want my Legos? Sure. There's only like 100 pounds of them or plus. Like, if you want to move all of those out of my room, feel free. <laughs> I doubt yeah. him. I'm just like, give me, that, give me that phone. Give me that random screen of various size. Like, give me that. Exactly. Exactly. Oh man, cut the Wi Fi off? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh gosh. I a one touch control from my office. Just like, ding, shut it off. Fuck that. Yeah. I did see something recently where um, a parent had like chores listed and they could earn screen time. Yeah, I saw via it. The chores, and I'm like, I like that. I mm-hmm. like that a lot. We have a similar system set up with Aiden. He has to do an hour of chores or an hour of reading for an hour of screen time. That's how it was when he was younger. Now he's older and it's like, his his timeline is so limited with every all of the extracurriculars he does no. that usually it's it's only determined by a few things. Mm-hmm. Did you get out of bed this morning and were you helpful up to the point of leaving? Yeah. Did you get ready without your mom having to go crazy? Did you mm-hmm. do everything that is your responsibility? Okay. Yeah. Did you and then after school, did you do your homework? If you pass those two tests and you didn't get crazy when you were talking or something, mm-hmm. cool, screen time, because you've only got like an hour of it anyway, kiddo. And yeah. then it's, we're getting everything ready and we're going on with the week. Yep. It's so busy and so structured here. Yeah. Thank God for Amanda, because it is not my doing. Yeah, she's really good at this, organizing. Oh my God, this, she's a manager at heart. <laughs> she's so good at it. I'm the managed. <laughs> It was kind of nice. Because, uh, you know, we've both seen the manager's job. No, I, I'm like the, fun. I am the manager's muscle. That's there what I am. Uh-huh. <laughs> <Or> the bouncer. <laughs> I am the manager's muscle. I just make sure that her will is enforced on the people. And So she's the nightclub owner. You're the bouncer. That makes your son the... <laughs> the crowd, the drunk frat girl. Uh, he is. Him and the dog, yeah. yeah because they both have places to be. So... Uh. Leaning on each other. I love you, Jessica. I really did want more kids. I'm telling you, it was complicated. Besides, oh, good. Besides, it increases the chances you'll lose one. Besides, oh, God. Yeah. Hey, look, dude, that is why people had more kids back in the day. Yeah. If you had, I was if, just if, thinking that. And from so. mortality being what it was, like, 
Yeah. Cool. So that's, I mean, it yeah, changed. that's all kind of an overview, though, of, like, it, it impacted society a lot. It impacted, even, like, through our childhoods, mm-hmm. the difference between how, you know, and I always knew when something was on the news, because it felt like mom's tone shifted. Yeah. And she became way more there was aware. A f- there was a few days where we couldn't leave the, the sight of the blinds and the front window of yeah. the house or whatever. You could ride, You could go to Kristen's house or mm-hmm. Frankie's, who was literally on the other side yep. of her, literally, like, their backyards touched. Yeah. And that was our friend on one side, and it was basically our your friend and our my friend. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And we could go to those two places, and that was it. Yep. And but then it would light after a couple of days, and yeah, once everything calmed down. But it did. It definitely you could definitely feel. Oh yeah. That the ebb and flow. Yeah. You know, and that's something I'm I'm really interested in too. And eventually we're gonna talk about. I mean, what's about, that say about the media then? You know, I mean. Well, yeah. Well, and not just the media, but how we choose to consume media. Well, that's the thing. That was that's what made the news. That's what yeah. people watched them. That's why, you know, it happened. I mean, shoot, the whole mm-hmm. Gabby Petito thing going on right now is just, you know, yeah. the function of the news. Yeah, work. so you you could definitely see, like, the difference and, and the slow change and how it gets more intense whenever these, you know, people are more aware, you know. But at the same time, we can't, there's no possible way to tabulate or calculate how that awareness saves lives. Yeah. You know? Because yeah. I don't even, like, within... Um, the, what do you want to, like the, my favorite murder community, the Murderino community, there's been letters written back and forth, like to the show telling them like, Hey, um, you know, I just got done listening to this case. So it put something in my head, you know, and I walked out to a parking lot and I saw a guy, you know, crouched down on the other side of a girl's car. And I went over to her, a complete stranger and started talking to her as if we were old friends. Yeah. While gesturing to her that there was somebody there. Like, mm-hmm. how many times does keeping something in the awareness and the consciousness relate to that? Fair enough, yeah. And we can't tabulate or calculate that. Right. You know? So it's, we can only guess at when things are going right. Yeah. You know? Well, it's measurable, too. To a degree, but, yeah. It's, I mean, it's measurable It's measurable after the fact. That's the problem with the measurements, though. Is oh, they're, yeah. They're, it's, re, it's, it's based on what's already happened. It's yeah. reactive. We're destruction or, you know, it, you instantly, you know. Well, we can, yeah. But we can with use growth, it predict, it's a longer process. We can use it to predict the, the what's happening over time. Mm-hmm. Like, we can see that, every, you know, since, like, what, back in the, what, 70s and stuff, when it was the golden era of serial killers. Yeah. Like, you can see the trend down over the years, or, but then you have, like, the... It's I, just, I'm so just glad, I'm, so glad though, I'm actually you know? so glad about this. Modern serial, like, I can't, I know where it happened at, but I can't think of the guy's name, and I'm fucking glad I can't. Because mm-hmm. I don't, that, I, you know, immortalizing the name of the person to me has always been fucking scummy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, like, the one that was in Ohio recently that, just, like, got convicted not too long ago. Yeah. And they threw the fucking book at I'm happy as hell about. Yeah. But that's why I've, too. Yeah. I like I like any any podcast or or true crime documentary that makes it about the victim. Yeah, where they either omit the name or mock you don't have the to person, admit it, but they make it about yeah. relating to the victims yeah. and who they were. 
and not about like I, it, not glorifying the psychopath. Yeah, but I mean, there's still something to wanting to learn, like what. Yeah. Kind of environment creates. No, I get people, pulling back the know? curtain on the monster. Exactly. I get that. So, but it's balancing that with and yeah. respecting a victim there, and see, the family and you time know. suck is a podcast I like for that because yeah. they 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 usually mock the killers, but they are you know really upfront with the information yeah. and I wouldn't say unbiased because the host has his own views about it and he's a comedian, so like. His whole job is to make outrageous views and stand by, which is a phrase he says. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, but that to me, it's 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 like I'm just glad I can't remember the fucking serial killer's name. Yeah. I'm glad I know it was a scumbag and out here who got his fucking. There definitely, there's been like true crime like groups and things like that that I have left because it turns into some let's suck the serial killer's dick party. Exactly. Yeah. And I I I'm not, don't yeah. get that. I don't get those I, people. Uh, yep. And All right, they, Dexter, calm down, you bunch of fucking exactly, wannabes. They, they can never give you any kind of reasoning why. They just tell you, you just don't get it. Mm-hmm. You just don't get it. And I'm like, you can't even verbalize what it is. That's how bad it is in you. Mm-hmm. You know? It, yep. Yeah. But anyway, yes. So, big societal shift, big change. And... It definitely rippled. It, it, it affects how I parent, I know, today, and how cautious and careful I am. I know it's affected the conversations we have to have with our children. Yeah. And well, <laughs> how we have to, to yeah. guide and prepare well, them for the world. We're the second iteration of those speeches. Uh, second, you know, however many. You want to count generations, whatever, but like... So, maybe the manias died down, but the caution is still there. No. No. The possibility is still there with a more rational tinge uh, mm-hmm. based on like how much it happens where you live at. Yeah. Like I'm sure if I lived in, in New York or Chicago or something you know in a, in, a, in a extremely busier I would feel worse about it than yeah. you know if I lived in rural BFE you know. Mm-hmm. To me that that I, I'm not wrong for doing that there's just with less people becomes a less statistical likelihood you're going to find one. Yeah. Because, I mean, isn't that a game? Isn't it the game of poison gumballs at some point? Like, there are humans out there, and unfortunately, there are fucking predators that hide among them, and they look just like you. Weirdly <laughs> enough, it's kind of strange, but it's the same thing. Like, whenever I give care instructions to, you know, my clients. Okay, fair enough. It's like uh, with water, especially. Yeah. Because you got to avoid pools, hot tubs. Yeah. It's standing water, but anywhere, especially with communal water. And I always say that, that, you know, I always look at them and I say the same thing. There's no nice way to say this, but people are nasty. You know, if they have something, they'll show it with you. There's that. Oh, shit. I just accidentally scrolled past. <laughs> I had it right on the mark. I needed it and I just fucked it up. There it is. Okay. So going back to the, um, back to the, the, uh, script here. The case also led to a hotline being established to make sharing information much easier between departments. That has been a consistent thing I've seen in true crime, too, is the, the lack of sharing information between departments, or the lack of a desire to. <laughs> right. That there was almost a competitiveness between departments instead of, like, hey, let's just get this solved. You right. know, let's save these people or let's stop this killer. You know, it was... There's definitely, even by police officers' own admission and interviews and things like that, Mm. there used to be a very... Competitive nature to jurisdiction. Yes, that hurt the community as a whole. I'm glad that they at least 
somehow tried to rectify that problem. Yeah. I'm so, sure it got better at 9-11 and stuff like that, too. Yeah. Well, I know the advent of technology, of course. Because that was True. part of the reason why the 70s was the golden age, is because it was so easier for a serial killer to just pick up and move to another place. Yep. And they didn't have access to his information before that. Yeah. Well, yeah, there was no... Unless... Oh, man, this looks like a pattern in something. Exactly. Compared so, to other patterns. Unless a cop in New York was like, hey, I heard this guy moved out to L.A., I need to call... And even then it'd be like, which one? You know? Yeah, right. So, because L.A., from what I understand, has a lot of little cities stuck together, so... Like, I mean, which, where would you even call? Well, you know, it's New York, but, too. You got the different boroughs and everything like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. So it would be... Even if you heard that they were moving, like, who do you contact to share that information with? True. And even then, it, it was not guaranteed that it's going to get to where it needs to be. Hundreds of precincts. So, yeah. So, yeah, was, but with the advent of, you know, the internet and the databases that were nationally accessible, mm-hmm. that changed the face of everything, you know? I think it's one of the reasons it's harder for, like, serial killers, I guess, to develop, because you can't just pick up and go somewhere else now. You need your social security card to do everything. Right. You know? Rent anything, yeah. Yeah. So. Well, unfortunately, but evil always finds a way, so it still happens, but I'm glad yeah. it's just become more difficult, and the awareness has gone up. And, I mean, it's got mm-hmm. it's got to be a combination of all of them, right? At some point, it's got to be. The, oh yeah, yeah. It's societal outlook and parents having knowing the reality of it, yeah. and having that talk because I think that's what it is. Is like our parents were realizing that it's a reality, and we know it. Yeah. So they were more shocked by it, where we we're just like, "Well, that's the fucking the world you live in." Yeah. And I think that's accurate, like, because I mean, we we pretty much get, like I say, bomb proofed to it. Well, I mean, we've had other, I mean, every generation has that, like, stuff that happens that defines, like, how they, you know, you have the Pearl Harbor generation, you've yeah. got, you know, um, the you know, generations during riots or, or protesting, or you have, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the modern generation with 9-11, you've got, you know, on and on and on. There's just yeah. these defining moments that, like, tear deep into consciousness, but I think that, the like, the missing children ones that you see on the news... Those are just the that's that like death of a million cuts mm-hmm. level of trauma. Yeah. Like. Yeah, it's the only it's the only thing we can really get together on. Of course, there's always going to be somebody who who's right. Still there's tries always to make an asshole, political, but, yeah. but for the most part, like we can Missing put kids, everything yeah. down and be like, no, we all agree that's terrible and something needs to be done. Yeah. So, um, but this all of this led to President Ronald Reagan actually designated May twenty fifth the day that. Eaton went missing as National Missing Children's Day. And this led, of course, to the creation of the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children in 1984. In fact, if you go back to their webpage, missingkids.org, they even have a section on their homepage about May 25th and Eaton Pats. And we'll talk more, of course, about that organization a bit later because it is really important. Um, but it has more to do with our second case than anything. So... Now we move on to the case that's often tied to Eaton's, which is Adam Walsh, uh, because they happened two years apart. Yep. Let's see. Yeah. In the case of Adam Walsh, if this name sounds familiar, it might be because, of course, he grew up watching his father, John Walsh, on America's Most Wanted. What you don't know, probably, is why he did that. 
or why he was part of it. I certainly didn't. Yeah. I know I, I didn't. I remember watching the show with uh, mom and dad, but like I I didn't know anything. About yeah, his I, son I until that's what later. I was gonna say. I remember the result of this more yeah. than I remember the disappearance of Adam Walsh. Yeah. For me, I knew who John Walsh was, and I knew my mom was extra freaked out about you know guys in vans and shit like that, or being yeah, you know, taken one way or the other. Mm-hmm. So I remember, like I said, I remember the effects, but the the case itself, I think, was yeah, outside of my consciousness. Really, hear anything about? And even um, then, I was I was actually talking to mom recently, and we were talking about the Adam Walsh case, and she's like, she said she didn't remember certain details from it, mm-hmm. and um, surprisingly, it was some of the more horrific ones. Oh well. So, well, yeah, that's, you tend to purge the worst, you know. Yeah. Anyway, my sources are history.com, an article titled Six-Year-Old Adam Walsh is Abducted, and has the author listed as history.com editors. There was no writer, individual writer, given credit. Published originally November 13th of 2009, and last updated July 24th of 2020. Also an NBCnews.com article titled Police 1981, The Killing of Adam Walsh Solved. Published December 16th of 2008. And the only credit listed is MSNBC.com News Services. A Time.com article titled The U.S. is Still Dealing with the Murder of Adam Walsh, written by Olivia B. Waxman and published August 10th of 2016. And um, here we start with our story. On July 27th of 1981, young Adam Walsh was in a Sears with his mother in Hollywood, Florida. From what I understand, she was there to buy a lamp. From, you know, I listened to um, another podcast to kind of prep. Of course, it was my favorite murder. Um, The episode Spoilerama is where they talked about these cases, or this case. They touched a little bit on Eaton's case, but mostly it was um, Adam Walsh's case. And uh, so that was also a source. But yeah, they they talked about, you know, a little bit more in depth about the actual disappearance. They went into it a little more than I did. Or are going to. Yeah, because again, we're wanting to get... For us, it's we want to talk about the, the after effect as much as the cases. And again, I think I said this in, in part one, but these cases are well documented and well tread over. Yeah. Um, this was in Hollywood, Florida. He was watching an older group of boys play video games a couple aisles over while she shopped, you know, in a different section. The two were only separated for less than 10 minutes, but... In that time, a security guard asked the boys to leave because they were being too loud. It's believed Adam left with them because he was a shy kid and wouldn't have spoken up to tell the guard he wasn't with the group, merely observing them play. Um, Before anybody gets mad at this guard, too, it's important to note that she was a 16-year-old. Yeah, not exactly. Understanding and what wizened beacon of authority... Just yeah. well, yeah. parroting what some manager wanted her to do, I'm sure. Exactly. And like we've talked about before, just somebody doing their job. Yeah. To the best of their capacity. Yeah. So, um, it sounds like she was like a, a secret shopper kind of thing, and or an AP. Just had to get them to leave. So, again, not blaming her. Not doing that. Because I can't imagine like what she felt oh. afterwards. Yeah, I'm sure. So. Being one of the last people to clap eyes on him. Yeah. His mom returned and couldn't find the six-year-old, so she went to the staff who made several calls over the loudspeaker for him. 
Reeve Walsh, Adam's mother, looked around the mall frantically for about two hours before police were called. A helicopter and a group search were put into action, but it didn't help. Two dozen police were assigned to the case, but sadly, they couldn't save the boy. Sixteen days after his disappearance, on August 10th of 1981, two fishermen discovered the child severed head. Sorry, every now and then uh, autocorrect likes to fuck with me. Otto is a mean, mean person and doesn't like me to have smooth flow. <laughs> Fair enough. So it says discount instead of discovered, and that threw me for a minute. The, ch- um, the two fishermen found- discovered the child severed head in a drainage canal in Faro Beach, Florida, Ugh. approximately 100 miles from where he went missing. Sadly, his body was never recovered. That is enough to make me never want to go fishing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and weirdly, I was just listening to a, a podcast called The Casual Criminist, the my YouTube crush Simon Wessler has. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And, um, Keep name dropping him. He'll pop up <laughs> Not never, not never, but um, they he was talking about in his show how like fishing seems like a nice hobby except for all the fishermen who discover dead bodies. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> He's oh, like, wow, it seems like so... it would be a peaceful hobby, but they keep finding them. It's always fishermen. Yep, and it's just one dude is out there just looking uh, for the big one and finds a body. like exactly. uh, it, But it's always active people. It's fishermen and joggers. Yeah, yeah. I'm safe here at home. <laughs> exactly. All I'm learning is that video games result in less trauma. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Agreed. As <laughs> you say in front of the, like, my holy grail of setups. Right, right. <laughs> Yeah, because yeah, if you think the sound quality is better, we're recording in my brother's office now, which is much better. Well, no, it's the it's, shop. I, the shop was amazing, like yeah. for the atmosphere and everything. But like, this is a box, and that's yeah. audio. What you need for any kind of audio. And to be fair, it could be a better box. It could be a shorter ceiling. We could do sound yeah. treatments, things like that. But I'm happy. <laughs> I'm I, well. I'm happy because. I, I like my house. I'm a very homey person. Yeah. I, I have to foist myself out of the comfort of my home. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, for me, this is this is especially my... This is my... Oh, uh... My bat cave. My, my yeah. you know, fortress of solitude. My... This is this this room is now, my cave. cathedral. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is my cathedral. Like I can, ooh, this is my spot. Yeah. Okay, that's how my desk is at my house. My my art desk all set up, and then it's, I'm surrounded by my art supplies and yep, um, the drawing horse that my my stepdad Ron made me, and yeah, stuff like that. So it's I get that when you're in your your creative space and your sanctuary, it's it's a really good feeling. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. Whatever that spot is. Yeah. You know, for for Amanda, it's got to be it's got to be her chair with the book. It's got to be mm-hmm. the chair, the blanket, the book, the dog. Yeah. I think that's her like number one. And if it's not the chair, it's gonna be you know some other place. But it's the blanket, the book, the dog. Yeah. For Scott, it's his recliner, and then he's we've got him a rolling desk that he can pull out and work on his models and everything. So he's got all his models around him and all his tools for that. And yeah. Man, Liam definitely got the blanket thing from her because Liam, it's like wherever he could post up with like a blanket and you, know, <laughs> you can replace yes. that book for a for a electronic thing or whatever. But it, like that's his piece. He kind of has that that roaming, wandering spirit that I I kind of envy a little bit. That's where I'm 
He's still flexible enough to lay everywhere. Yeah. The bo- I've I found that boy sleeping anywhere and everywhere in this house. I'm so it's like a cat. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I love him to death. And they're boneless. It's like what yeah. happened to your spine? Yeah. <laughs> him and the dog man. Like you see them both curled oh, yeah. up. Like what is going on there? You look at him and it's like I think my animal's yeah. broken. <laughs> yeah. I need to take a time and I'll just look at that. Ouch. Exactly. If my if my if my hip hurts just looking at you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I stand up too fast and I'm like, oh, my back. Yep. <laughs> okay, but diving back in. In uh. Oh, see, you need a break exactly when we start talking about finding the severed head of a six-year-old. Exactly. Like, I know. Uh, I know. And that was part of why we had to take the break, the first part, because like, it just got so heavy. It, it does, was. It, like I said, the the would it have I and I believe I said this on the, the last time. Would it have been better just not to find the body at all? Would do you want the head or like do you, which one? It, nothing at all or the head? Like yeah, man. Like I guess you get the confirmation, right? Mm-hmm. Like, well, but I th- I man. brought this up before too, and I only learned this from listening to the My Favorite Murder episode. Is that that morning, the Walshes were in New York about to do, I think, Good Morning America or something like that. Oh, yeah. To talk about Adam's disappearance and things like that. Mm -hmm. And they got a call from Florida saying, hey, we think we found something. We need you to come down and identify some remains. And they had to make a choice. Go on the show in case it wasn't their son. Or drop the opportunity and go down to identify the remains. Right. And they chose to do the show in case it wasn't Adam. Mm-hmm. And they called up a friend to go identify the <laughs> That'd be a real good friend. Exactly. That is a favor that I don't know I could ask anybody. Like, How could Not you? a criticism of the fact that they did at all. Please don't think that. I just can't think of anybody like that I think would be able to handle that. Ugh, I couldn't. Yeah. I would not be that person. No. So, yeah, uh, some a friend was tasked to identify their son. See, I say that, but then something, like... then there's just this sense of duty. Like, I, I don't, I, I, there's something in me that always wants me to take, to, to step in front of that bullet for somebody. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, because the more I noodle it, the more I would say, like, I think I would just, rationalize it with I'm doing this so they don't have to see their son in this condition. They yeah. can preserve the memory of their son and I, if, if all I can do is confirm it and tend to have that visual horror mm-hmm. but for them I mm-hmm. think that's how I'd have to rationalize it. I think I would end up doing it but it would be it would be under the auspices of like saving them from having to have that in their memory. Yeah. Ugh. I, I, don't, Ugh. I don't know. Uh, I would really have to think on it. It, it, it. I probably would, but I would hate every yeah. second. Yeah, yeah. I would need my would own set of therapy afterward type of thing. Yeah. Like, I know that this is coming with a bill. Like, I know I'm going to have to talk yeah. to somebody about that. Anyway, in uh, 1983, Ot- Otis Tool, or Otis Tool, companion of the infamous Henry Lee Lucas, confessed to killing Adam Walsh. And even implicated Luke, implicated Lucas for the crime. However, it was discovered Lucas himself could not have been involved. So, 
I had to because I you did you said you didn't know much about the Henry Lee Lucas case. No. So for not those at who all. don't, Henry Lee Lucas is technically labeled a serial killer. We do know he killed at least two people, but he confessed to like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of killings that he couldn't have possibly done. Like he, there was no way he was there. They had evidence of him being other places. Yeah. Um, he was just lying, and it. I watched a documentary on the case, and it it really pissed me off. It made me think a lot differently of, um, especially the Texas Marshals, yeah, in general, because they weren't even verifying it. They were taking everything he said as gospel and basically using it as a way to close out cases without doing any further. Well, I anything, I, and I, and I hate yoking a whole organization together based on like one group of dudes doing it and in that general like this is but, a fairly small elite group of dudes They're, well that's what i'm saying it was that group yeah. of dudes who did it well and so then i definitely can say used... i have no respect for those guys whatsoever yeah they, well to me it's like everybody makes mistakes but, uh, if they had owned it and come forward and, and said hey yeah we got carried away and we need to back the fuck up and do the right thing but they never did. Instead, they went the opposite direction and did the shadiest, most underhanded things they could, including getting the FBI involved to harass people who spoke against them. Yeah, see that? Right. Though, And those people are fucking ridiculous. Yeah. So, I, I lost all respect. Not because they did it, but because of how they responded it was never, to being called out for right. it. It wasn't rectified. It wasn't... No. No, and and the guy in charge of all of it is still lauded as a hero, some police hero, and, you know, um, held up as some sort of paragon Yikes. of law enforcement. And it's it's very frustrating to me because it just wasn't the case. Right. Well, I mean, that's a lot of people's yeah. realization about, like, their idols, but... Oh, yeah. I mean, look at... I mean, Mother Teresa, I mean, she was... Oh, lauded yeah. for a long time as being such a saint, a literal saint, and then, mm-hmm. and then you look at it and you're like, oh man, like you nope. hated Jews, poor people, and all kinds of stuff, like yep. <laughs> yeah, and actively did some pretty wild things. Like maybe that's one we'll have to get into, like the dark side of mo- the wicked side of Mother Teresa. It's kind of perfect. That's, that's really kind of, kind of awesome. Can we do that? Can we do a series on like the wicked side of otherwise of, good of, people? Of, of, of some, yeah. I mean, shoot, you could do the founding fathers. Like, there's some. Oh yeah, there's a there's lot some of dark, dark side. Shit. There's some dark side. I mean, shoot, kings and queens. This, I mean, oh. my whole like a big part of my personality is, as I've said multiple times, I don't believe in heroes, and it's stories like that that are I why. I know. So, <laughs> I, I yeah. Know. But anyway, um, for. Like I said, Lucas could not have done these murders. For Tool, however, it was a different story. Because he was a tool. Yeah. <laughs> obvious joke, obvious, Tom. <laughs> yeah, well, someone had to make it. We're here, weren't we? Uh, no one else was. <laughs> yeah. He was, in the, he was in the area at the time, and there was nothing he had that would resemble an alibi. Okay. However, he later recanted the story after he confessed to it. And this would be a sick pattern that would continue to repeat itself until Tool's death of cirrhosis of the liver in 1996 in a Florida prison. Oh, what a shame. Yeah. Couldn't have happened to a nicer asshole. Yeah. In Tool's confession, he claimed he wanted to keep the boy as some sort of adopted son, 
However, oh, panic. That. Yeah. That's that's the reason that I would be relieved to find a body. Mm-hmm. It's so that that shit didn't happen. That you turn him into some brainwash. Ugh. Yeah. yeah. Ugh. However, at some point, Tool panicked and strangled the boy with a seatbelt. The coroner did later confirm that Adam had indeed died of asphyxiation. He then claimed to have used a machete to remove the boy's head, and that he either burned or buried the body, depending on which version of the story he was telling. To who? Some things, like, always stayed the same, but, like, little details would change between confessions. Jeez. Yeah. Later, Tool's niece reached out to the Walsh family and told them that Tool had confessed to her on his deathbed one last time. For John Walsh, it was never a question. He firmly believes in Tool's guilt. Despite the whole controversy surrounding Henry Lee Lucas and his multiple, multiple confessions, many of which were proven false later, as I said before. Also, like, one of the things with Henry Lee Lucas is he wasn't even trying. Like, he was, he was not an educated man mm-hmm. at all, by any means. And could even be possibly... I mean, it's hard to diagnose somebody retroactively, but could have been categorized as having special needs, like, with his intelligence level. <sighs> so, at one point in time, he was sitting in a room full of Japanese reporters, and they were talking to him about all the people he had supposedly killed. And he even turned to them, and he says, oh, yeah, I've done some of yours, too. And they're like, really? And he's like, yeah, yeah. They said, you've been to Japan? And he said, yeah. And he, they said, well... Um, How'd you get there, man? When was this? And he's, he told them he drove there. Oh, yeah. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Did he, he probably wrote it in special finger paint. <laughs> like, yeah. But to be fair, did he, was he actually, he was actually caught and convicted with evidence of a Of at least crime? two, yes. Okay. Special yeah. needs or not, man, I'm sorry. No, I'm not excusing like, his behavior. Okay. What I'm yeah. doing is I'm like, I'm pointing <laughs> out the glaring fact that they were not checking these yeah. when there was obviously things they well, should have been checking to, be fair, to verify. If he's fucking colorful enough, he would just keep them busy from here till when he fucking dropped dead. So yeah, you'd have them chasing do rudimentary investigations. Have them chasing Frosty the snowman's fucking grave down and shit. Like yeah. I killed him. I killed him with fire. Yeah, charges for Adam's murder were never brought against Tool because bafflingly the police lost all of the evidence. This part fucking frustrates me. This oh, part is yeah. just this part is just general ineptitude. It's not even evil. It's just fucking idiotic. And it pisses me off more than intentional evil. It's like it's more frustrating because then I can't be like, oh well, that's evil, and then I, like my brain can rationalize why yeah. they made that decision. Like, no, you're a fucking set of idiots. <laughs> like, yeah. go ahead, explain what they lost. Explain <laughs> what they lost, Vanna. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, when I when I read this to you the first time, you were equally upset. I can't. I can't. I cannot fucking believe it. <laughs> Yeah. Yep. The evidence that they lost included a bloodstained carpet from Tool's car, the machete Tool claimed to have used, and then later the car itself. The whole fucking car. I lost a fucking car. A fucking fucking car. car. Yep. And then bits and pieces from that car. (laughs) Yeah. Walsh let his grief and his anger drive him, and in 1984, he founded the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, with the support of the Pats family, of course. According to the website, they have assisted law enforcement in the recovery of more than 355,000 missing children. 
and have provided resources for more than 77,000 families going through the horror of missing a child. If you're, yeah, if you're doing anything, if you've even helped one or the the help the result of, like, yep. God bless you, like, may fortune smile upon you for a yeah. long time. Also, uh, the side note to that, I can't imagine that being your day-to-day life. Oh, my God, no. No, that's like, uh... Going oh. into work every day knowing... That's what you get to. It, what it, it's to like? It's like the Facebook and, checkers yeah. who have to see these horrid pictures and stuff, and then like that, like they just get so traumatized by yeah. the like they just can't do that job for a long amount of time. It's got to be something like that. Yeah. Uh, it's like being a coroner for me. I do. I could not do that job. Yeah. Just dead person after dead person. Like, it literally becomes, uh, like, oh, man, people die every day. It's an appending... Sp- in, 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 yeah. In, it's the, the, the doom specter always around us. Ah! Existential horror noises, yeah. you know? Yeah! Right here! Death, death is here. Death is right here. Uh, it's, like a, it's like a parrot on your shoulder whispering into your fucking ear. Memento mori, memento no. mori. Yeah. Over and over, I, and I'm no. like, great, great. I can't do that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I fully recommend visiting the website and reading through their impact page. It's got a lot of interesting data and statistics, just things that are, I think, good to know. Um, not pertinent to what we're discussing, though, so I, I'm not going to list them all. Too numerous to name, but um, the data and information that they're collecting is really, really wonderful and helpful. So, um, Definitely. Yeah. Also around 1994, retailers implemented a system called Code Atom, which means all personnel not on the register were required to stop what they were doing and participate in a full search of the store. And I, I had to do, you know, multiple Code Atoms when I worked security. And, you know, I we worked together for a while. I don't know. Did you have to do one? No, that was something that, I, shockingly, for as many as you said you had been through, I never, okay. never was a part of one. I think four. Okay. I think four was... Now we're know. successful, I assume. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, all, all, in all cases, all children were found. They were usually a couple aisles over. Stuck or, stuck in the rack of clothes or something and hiding or whatever. Yeah. Thank goodness. Yeah, they just... They have all one of it freaked had out happy parents. Endings. You got one freaked out parent and some people who are yes. equally as freaked out because Which, they are empathetic as all hell. Universal, just universal with parents yeah. is like you start off relieved... Mm-hmm. And happy, yep. and then instantly turn to yeah. you little motherfucker yeah. so fast. By the time we get to the car, you you allow yourself to feel the anger. Yep. <laughs> yep. Hey everybody. Um, just wanted to let you know we did stop at this part and we paused, and then um, so you are getting a third part. You're actually getting a bonus. Um, that I'm going to release around the same time. And uh, just kind of, we, we realized we talked a whole lot in, in this particular episode or this particular topic. And mainly because when it comes especially to children being harmed, it is such a hard topic. So, and, and as my brother and I have stated several times, the way that we deal with hard things is to laugh and to make jokes and to process and this was especially just because it involved children. It was just so dark, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I, um, you're getting uh, part three, actually. And like I said, we will release that the same day or else we're going to have too much of a backlog of episodes to put out for you. Um, so, yeah, 
Uh, please enjoy, and thank you guys so much, and we'll see you on the other side.